Welcome to the RSP Quick Game. Mark Schofield, Matt Waldman, Super Bowl week. And I don't think we have a Super Bowl topic to discuss. No, we don't. <laughs> we got so many other things that just looked like fun to talk about that I just kind of like skimmed over the Super Bowl, figured we'd talk about it maybe next week after the game and yeah. you know, everybody else hype up, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, this is brought to you by the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, which will be available April 1st, at least the pre-draft portion of it, which will give you rankings and reports and, um, you know, a variety of information ranging from um, contact balance studies to pass tracking to, you know, wide receiver usage in terms of where they're aligned and, you know, what type of routes they run. In addition to all the, the film breakdown analysis that you're used to finding there, you get the post-draft as well. Um, all that's available for $21.95, including the newsletter that comes out multiple times a year that updates you with um, rankings um, and thoughts about these rookies as they head into training camp and and play get their exposure during their rookie year um you know been doing this since 2017 you can find it at mattwaldman.com or find out more about it at mattwaldmanrsp.com and one of these days i'm going to combine these two sites um working on that over time but you know most of you find that it's pretty easy to find and, and, and work through. And if you can't, you can just contact me at mattwaldmanrsp.com. And I usually respond within 24 hours um, to any type of issues that, that people have. And rarely do I have any. So all good there. Speaking of guy who had issues, Mark Schofield, it was me? Trevor. I had you, issues? I don't know. Do you have issues? I don't think of you have issues. Of course I do. We, have, we all do. We all do have issues. That's true. I'm gonna, I was I was trying to lie, but I, I'm not quite as good as, as one as maybe like the, the former Jaguars coach. I don't think he was a very good liar either. But, no, not at all. <laughs> but speaking of segues, Trevor Lawrence had some issues. He had receivers drop 39 passes. It was a league high last year. Do you think that stat matches the context of what you saw from Lawrence as a rookie? I think in part it does. Okay. I, I do think that there was a failure to help the young rookie quarterback. And I think with improvement around him, both on the offensive line and, you know, guys making plays at the other end of throws, yeah, you'll see better production. You'll see a better quarterback in 2022 than we saw last year. But it's not like Lawrence was flawless. It's not like he was faultless. I mean, there are still things that he needs to improve on. There are still plays that he needs to make. But pull up any game from Jacksonville this year, and you'll probably see two to three plays where it's like, man, he did everything right. He put the ball exactly where it needs to be. And it's second and 10. It's not first and goal at the five. And, you know, so I, I do think that, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that number because in just watching him and studying him, I didn't keep track of the drops, but I had multiple plays per game where it's like, man, this is why you drafted the kid first overall. And they're just not helping him out. Yeah, I'm ag I agree. And when you bring in Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell, and Laquan Treadwell was your most productive receiver down the stretch, who was known <laughs> for dropping the ball earlier in his career in Minnesota and Atlanta, um, that tells you a fair bit. And on top of that, too, since neither of those guys were, um, you know, had a, a real training camp with as working with Trevor Lawrence as starters. That's part of it. And then part of it, too, is just Trevor Lawrence being on the same page with everybody from the standpoint of dealing with situations that he's not accustomed to and making some mistakes. But beyond that, I mean, I would, I, I'm with you. I, I would bet that probably two-thirds of those drops at least 
were wide, just on wide receivers. Yeah. You know, so I think it does match the context that that Lawrence is better than, you know, Lawrence was pretty darn good for a rookie considering the context of his situation. Yes. Um, and, you know, we'll be looking forward to him with Doug Peterson in the fold um, as the coach and um, maybe someone we know doing some off-season coaching with Trevor Lawrence. More on that maybe down the line. So oh, hello. We'll, we'll tease that as a as a point maybe hello. as somebody to to bring on our show and have him discuss working with Lawrence if that um, works out the way I think it will. So just, you know, got to check in with former Patriots in this on this show. It's just, it's just a, a matter of custom. I'm just curious, does Rob Gronkowski have a better chance of playing with Joe Burrow or getting a USAA membership? Well, considering that the entire premise of those USA commercials is that he's not allowed to be a member and therefore there's zero chance, I think there's better odds that he's played with Burrow. I think it's a non-zero chance that he's in Cincinnati next year. Now, that might mean 1% or 2% chance because um, I, I do think that Gronk wants to play with Tom. Now, he, he said some nice things. He's, to use the Bill Belichick phrase, he's tossed some bouquets in Joe Burrow's direction. So maybe he's looking at this and like, yeah, you know, Uzama is a free agent, I guess. And so, you know, maybe if he gets a new deal, there's a window for Gronk to slide into Cincinnati but then he's going to have to be learning to play with a new quarterback and things like that. So I think there's a chance he plays with Burrow, but it's not a good one. It's not a big one. Yeah, I don't think it's a big chance either. And I, I'd put it about even that I would think that, you know, if you're an endor- if you're endorsing USA, maybe they give you a little bit of a sweetheart deal. I don't know. Um, or, you know, and I, tr- and I just, just some casual research on my break last night, I thought, Anybody in his family in the military, like a grandparent or father? But I didn't see anything. That's what I wondered. You know, his grandfather was an Olympic bicyclist, apparently. Um, that was something I just recently read way back in like the, I think in the 30s, he was an Olympic cyclist. Wow. So And they threw a parade for him at one point, you know. So, um, you know, the the athletic genes, you know, go far back. Um, they do. Not a surprise. Um, you know, in terms of, yeah, with Burrow, I don't have much more to add than, you know, I just can see that with Uzama also playing injured, you know, this week, uh, you know, and Uzama's a nice player, but to get a chance at Gronkowski, yeah, I think that could be awesome. But I think we won't know that till like midsummer. Um, right. Because I think Gronkowski's probably going to hold out, stay in shape, hold out and see whether Tom's going to come back or not. Cause uh, yeah. of course Tom said, I won't rule it out, but I'm retired right now. You know? Yeah. So maybe he got sick of playing with Bruce Arians. I don't know. I mean, not, well, nothing against Bruce, but you know, maybe now that he's been just a full-time podcaster for two weeks, he realizes, you know, that's a bit of a grind. Maybe playing football is a bit easier. <laughs> maybe so after 20 years of the work he's put in, that's gotta be easier. Yeah. He's made, he's made quarterbacking look easy. Yeah, right. You know, but yeah, to start something new, probably so. And I, I would just say I would just retire to the avocado farm. But, you know, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, what are you doing on Twitter and Facebook, man? Just go. Exactly. So Miami Herald writer Barry Jackson speculates that the Dolphins could sign Raheem Mostert due to the hiring of Mike McDaniel. Now, if this happens, what do you think Mostert's role is going to be like? I mean, I, I think 
if you're Mike McDaniel and you're tasked with getting the best out of Tua, I think it starts with we got to be able to have a run game that's going to be like we have a Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. It's going to be a situation where you really want to just throw in 20, 25 times a game. You want to minimize what he's asked to do because Tua needs a lot of work. I mean, we, we've talked about Tua a lot this season, and you and I, I think, are in agreement that, like, yeah, he can be a good NFL quarterback, but there's a way he's going to go. And so I, I think that – the idea here is obviously going to be try to replicate what you had. Try to have you know a, a diverse run game schematically that allows you to sort of build the kind of play action and RPO-based passing game that I think we're going to see from the Miami Dolphins next year to sort of help to us. So I, see, I think you're going to see him in a wide variety of plays that basically you can't really close your eyes and picture it in, in red and gold, but that's kind of what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of those run game concepts dropped at the South beach to try to sort of prop up to a, and put him in a better foot in to take the kind of strides that he needs to. And so I think you're going to see a lot of similar schematic stuff to what we were seeing with, you know, Liza Mitchell and even at times Debo Samuel to try to build that kind of environment around Tua. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. But then when I start looking at, you know, this team's depth chart and I look at Miami's offensive line and their tight ends, you know, who do they have comparable to what, what's going on in San Francisco? Oh, nobody. Not a soul. You yeah. know, I mean, we're... And so that's where their work has to really happen. And that's why I think that this is a, okay, we'll get the back piece fixed because in free agency in the draft, we've got to really fix that offensive line, even though they've thrown a ton of draft capital at the old line it's still a mess yeah exactly so you know from that perspective they they're gonna need i think they're gonna need tackles unless austin yeah. jackson can really make a a big move or you know or solomon kinley can like suddenly emerge as you know you know somebody awesome in terms of guard so that they can move jackson back to tackle and get something and and if jackson can even play tackle in this league at the level that they would expect them to. I mean, there's a lot going, like you said, with that line. And then the tight end position, I mean, Jacecki is not really a blocker. No. Um, Durham Smythe is a nice reserve who can block, and they'll probably use him as such. He and Shaheen, Shaheen's got the athletic ability to be a good blocker. There's Hunter Long, who they hope they could develop. But again, do they go to the... You know, Mike McDaniel might say, hey, listen, I'm not attached to any of these guys. I might need me a Trey McBride. I might need to see if I can get my hands on him. But then again, you're looking at, am I going to sacrifice taking another lineman to get McBride early in this draft in the first or second round? Probably not, you know? So I, I think it makes sense that Raheem Mostert gives them, gives them a one-two punch you know, in a way where they could use him and Duke Johnson. And Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay, here's the other thing. If they keep one of those, Philip Lindsay's a heck of a runner if you give him toss and outside zone. So I wouldn't sneeze at the idea of them retaining Lindsay and getting the most out of him in a way that other teams might not be able to. Or Duke Johnson, who played well down the stretch, you know. Um, right. So... There's a lot of options there. I could see adding Mostert to the mix because he knows the system well and yeah. they can use a committee and not have to lean on any one guy there. And then they would probably 
you know, dump either. I mean, Gaskin will probably stick around. He'll play that, that, um, you know, that's he'll probably play a smaller role in that offense. I would think, unless he can prove, you know, fast enough to get outside. But I don't think that they're gonna like that the way that they they did last year in San Francisco with their backs. I think Malcolm Brown and Miles Gaskin are more the odd players out along with Salvin Ahmed, um, who was right. given the boot from 49ers camp anyway. So yeah, it's a fast, it's a fascinating way how this is going to go. Now I'll add an, I'll audible here and add another question. Cause I know people asked me that this morning was, you know, Lynn is now in um, San Francisco and is going to be uh, an offensive, you, you know, consultant or, or coach offensive coach how much freedom do you think Shanahan gives him or is and allows him to use the a back b back does that mean Trey Sermon has a chance of seeing more of the field or do you think that with coach Lynn really coach Lynn's just going to follow Shanahan's lead and Shanahan's going to stick with his system what is your speculation on this one? My speculation is from, you know, observing Shanahan from afar over the past couple of seasons, Shanahan's going to stick with his system. And I, think I, so I think, I think Lynn is a nod to Lance. I mean, I, I think, you know, Lynn was part of the group that helped Justin Herbert, obviously with Shane Steichen and Pep Hamilton, who we're going to talk about in a second. And I think this is an nod towards, all right, we're going to have a Trey Lance in 2022. I think that's where everybody knows this is going. And I know we're going to talk about Garoppolo in a second. What can Lynn help Trey Lance do? I, I think that's going to be a main role for him. And Shanahan's going to do what Shanahan wants to do schematically, personnel-wise, et cetera, et cetera. I agree completely. I don't think I don't think Trey Sermon has a shot with this team right now. And yeah. I think it really is more about the the quarterbacking than anything else at this point and Shanahan is very dead on about what he likes to do so um you know the, we go on from there and then talking about Pep Hamilton Texans now have him as you know going to promote him to offensive coordinator it looks like so what do you think happens here do they stick with Davis Mills do they draft a mid-round or late-round guy or is this a sign they're going for the early round guy that they believe is their their potential franchise player? I think they stick with Mills. Um, you know, you and I have talked about him a little bit this year and done some work on him, and we've both been impressed with what Mills did. You know, we were kind of impressed with him pre-draft anyway. And I think, you know, the fact that Pep was able to get Mills, looking at times like, if not the second best rookie quarterback, maybe the best. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were moments when it was like, I mean, you look at the game he had against the Patriots. It was like him, Mac Jones, Mills looked better in that game. Yeah. Um, and there's, that's an impressive feat from Pep, which is why that coupled with what he did with Herbert last year, it's like the, the fact that Pep wasn't getting more OC looks was sort of stunning to me. Um, and it did seem like Jacksonville eventually and other teams did inter- interview him, but I think they stick with Mills. Plus, look, they're sitting at three. Is there a quarterback you're drafted at three overall in this group? Like, <laughs> I'm not so sure yeah. there is. I know Mills got a lot of attention over the senior bowl week, and he looked great. And talking to people down there, he spun the ball well. And Kenny Pickett actually looked, you know, decent at times and had a solid week. 
I don't know if there's a guy who drafted at three if you're Houston. And conversely, I don't know if there's a team coming to, up to three to go get a guy. So it's not like it's an easy to you know sell that you're going to be able to trade down and draft somebody. The interesting thing is 37. You know, because they pick at the top of the second round. If a guy like a Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell was there, do they draft that player and see? I think they might do that, but I think their their plan A is probably look. We're going to go with Davis Mills and see what he has because they've got a lot of needs. You know, not just quarterback. They've got a lot of things that they have to add to that roster. You could add blue chip players at three. You can add somebody really good at thirty seven, and not have to force a quarterback pick unless there's somebody you really like. Yeah, I. I think that this is a litmus test for where the organization is because yeah. if they if they draft a quarterback in the first two rounds, even in the first three rounds in this draft, um, I think you can rely on the Texans being what peop, what their worst critics say they are. Right. But I think if they stick with Mills and they build around him, then like a lot of teams this year that you know probably you know like. You know, Jim Har- bringing Jim Harbaugh into Minnesota, who's probably like, listen, I'll work with, I'll work with Kirk Cousins. He's kind of a Jim Harbaugh-esque, you know, quarterback of these times. You know, maybe probably better than that, but still, yeah. you know, a guy that you can win with, and and then if it doesn't work, you can you can go to you can draft in another class. You know, where there's it should be richer at quarterback. Same thing right. with Cleveland, you know, and I think you're seeing the same thing here. And you're going to see the same thing probably with the teams that trade for Garoppolo, which we'll talk about later. I could see him having to play a one year deal or yeah. getting a deal that you know that it's basically just a bridge. And, yeah. and so, you know, looking at it from that perspective, Mills to me makes the most sense. And he is a guy that I think can grow into being someone where you look at and go, maybe we do have a next Kirk Cousins, you know, with a little mobility. Maybe we have right. a better uh, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo who can be, you know, if we build this team right, he can help us get too deep into the playoffs at the very least. So, yeah, I think Pep Hamilton, you know, I think Pep Hamilton gives you the right structure and Mills is the kind of guy who will work at his craft to continue to get better. So, Tom Brady gone. Does that mean what the rumors seem to be, that there could be a Jameis Winston-Tampa redo? I don't know. Arians, like, I just remember being at the Combine two years ago and seeing Arians at the podium, and he, you could tell he was just exasperated with Jameis. Just, you know, and James threw 30 picks. Like, you can tell uh, as much as Arians likes to say no risk it, no biscuit. And, you know, that caused people like me. And I remember saying, oh, James and Arians, it's going to be perfect. They're going to be great for each other. 30 interceptions isn't exactly great for a coach and a quarterback. I just don't think Arians wants to go down that road again. Now, look, maybe they do. You know, maybe they look around the landscape and they think, there's somebody that knows the system and somebody that knows the offense. Like, you know, Kyle Trask may not be the answer, but we've now got somebody that can run the offense and has some experience with it, knows the cost, the checks, the reads, and things like that. So maybe they, but just my mind just goes to Arians at the podium, just seeming so exasperated with the thought of Winston coming back. Yeah, I think this is a one year deal at best. If they do it, it's again of, of like, all right, prove that you've really changed, you know. 
can you come back here and show that you really changed like you did for at least a little bit in in New Orleans? But right. I just, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I think that they'd be better off just, you, you know, rolling. Either they're going to go high priced and 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 try and get the best they can, the very best they can get with one of the one of the two veterans who were great, or they they roll with um you know, they roll with maybe getting a draft pick and having a bridge, you know, yeah. at this point, or they look at a, they look at some bridge players like, you know, at least, I mean, I would laugh if they went the opposite direction, went with someone like Teddy Bridgewater and said, we're going to, you know, with Arian, with Arians being the downfield guy that he is, right. and they go, you know what? Yeah, exactly. So it, it's, it's good. they're the most interesting team to me in terms of what they're going to get because they have, when healthy, they have the squad to be yeah to still be a contender at the. I'm, I'm kind of like that with Washington, like I, I like what Washington has, but I'm very curious to see what they do with QB. Yeah, would could Ryan Fitzpatrick go back to Tampa Bay? Oh, there's one. <laughs> Man, Arians and Fitzpatrick. Oh my goodness! You might see some six touchdown games. You might see some six interception games. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it just seems like who he wants are all the ultimate nightmares for him, it, right? You know, in terms of who would fit what he does, but isn't quite you know at the at the capability that they need. So, you know, we'll round out our little quarterback. Well, we have a couple more quarterbacks here, but we're going to talk about take a little break here about well no he's a quarterback too zach wilson so um elijah moore he said he wants to build chemistry with zach wilson this offseason but i just wonder if this is really the issue because when i think about joe flacco he had no previous experience with Moore all season and he elevated more well beyond what um, wilson did during moore's rookie year so isn't Wilson just developing his own game far and away the m- biggest way to make more productive? I mean, I think in part, yeah. I mean, I I, I think what Moore is talking about in a sense is he's looking at Chase and Burrow. And, you know, we always overreact to Super Bowl storylines. We always sort of react to the notion that it's a copycat league. But players and owners and coaches, they do it too. You know, they see what's working for a team. And they want that. If you're a receiver, a young receiver, and you see a young receiver quarterback tandem having the success of Chase and Burrow, you're like, I want that. So, yeah, I want to build chemistry in a relationship with, with Zach Wilson so that when it's third and nine and I'm isolated single side to a three by one, he trusts me on a back shoulder throw the way Burrow trusts Chase. So I think that's where Moore's mind is at. But I think you're right in that the bigger thing for those two is – Wilson developing his game. And what was interesting with Wilson is, and we've seen this with, I remember when Josh Allen was a rookie and he got hurt for a little bit and he came back in the end of his rookie season. It was like maybe a couple of things clicked for him. I think that kind of happened with Wilson because he missed some time and he came back and it was like maybe something, he looked a little bit better after that injury. And so I think that there's, you know, obviously hope that he's putting it together, but I think, yeah, for these two, the bigger thing is Wilson needs to continue that development as a quarterback on the whole, and that will then by sort of osmosis help the chemistry relationship between those two. Yeah. I mean, I think so too. And I think it's just, you know, I guess more can't say he wants Matt Corral. So, um, right. You know, you know, but I, I think also that it's fair to say that, 
you know, Wilson and Moore certainly have an opportunity to become a very good tandem. It's just a matter that the ball's in Wilson's court because they can have great chemistry, but if Wilson just can't see or read the field or do the basic things that he needs to do, um, then it really doesn't matter how good they throw against air. Um, would you resign James Conner if he if you were Arizona? I would. I mean, I, I think you saw what he could do. You saw what he can bring to that offense. You saw the different elements conceptually in the run game and even in the passing game that he showed. I think that, yeah, I, I don't think it's a hard decision at all. I'd resign him. Yeah, I would too. I mean, you've got – He's excellent in the receiving game. He's, you know, everyone's like, oh, he looks so quicker than what I I remember. And it's kind of like, that's what happens when you have a, a better offensive line than what Pittsburgh had last year um, or in 2020 um, or even last year when you come to think of it. Um, with When you look at Najee Harris and the, the lack of efficiency he had in the run game. But, you know, Connor was a fine back. And I think he's an example of a guy who got dumped dumped to the side of the road way too early. Um, but teams like to be cautious about running backs and they don't want to, they don't want to pay a lot of money to somebody who they feel like is getting up there or has had some injury histories. But yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally there on, uh, you know, James Conner, Conner getting resigned. I think he's a great fit for what Arizona does. Now, would you exercise the fifth year option on Marquise Brown? This is a tougher one. I don't think I would. I mean, there's been sort of an underwhelming start to his career here. And, you know, I know a lot of people have said, well, Lamar needs better weapons and things like that. And, you know, they can kind of point to Marquise and sort of the inconsistency there. I, I just think if it were me, I'd sort of treat this as like a, a one-year prove-it type thing and say, look, you know, if you end up blowing the doors off and we have to tag you, like, fine. But I don't think I'm going to pick up that option. If I, since I know that John Harbaugh is the type of coach that players trust and he's, you know, and you can tell he's the type of coach that players trust because when Vic Fangio um, goes after him in the media over some dumb stuff after a game, um, you know, that tells you that, you know, that he's the anti-Vic Fangio um, <laughs> in terms of how he deals with players. Players trust him. I would go to Lamar Jackson and I would just say, listen, yeah. man, it's up to you. Do you want us to resign him? And not because you like him or not, but do you really think it matters that we right. resign him? We could, this is what we could do if we didn't have to spend money on exercising that fifth year option on Marquise Brown. Here's, here's some of the guys that would get more of a chance. Here's what, you know, and I think, I think Lamar would be honest about that. I don't think he would play the loyalty card about, well, he's my friend or I'm friendly with him. Um, so so my answer right now would be no, I wouldn't resign him. Just because it this offense, I mean, I just laugh because people still don't understand that this offense is unique in the NFL. Right. It is the most unique offense in the league. And it's because they the the traditional things that they need to do that most offenses need to do they don't do and this team i think i'll just answer right away it's to me it's the most dangerous team that didn't make the 2021 playoffs um because when this offensive line returns to form um and they get back jk dobbins and gus edwards or one of the two if not both 
this team's going to r- still run over the league. Yeah. You know, and you can, you know, teams that teams that are um, built to play too high and nickel, good luck with that. I mean, the right. fact that the the fact that the Ravens were still in the thick of the playoff contention at the end of the season with all those got with right. the walking wounded they were, yeah, this is this is like a grizzly bear that like you know that was you know that was still very dangerous but for some reason got like maybe it got stuck in cement temporarily or something i don't know you know so i'm totally i wouldn't sign marquise brown i'd can i'd work on other on other acquisitions and keep the receivers you have and and just with that offensive line you can lean on lamar you know to stay healthy and do what he does um so who is the most dangerous team that didn't make the 21-21 playoffs other than the Ravens? Or do you agree it's the Ravens? No, I agree it's the Ravens. I mean, you know, initially when you, you know, sent this question over, I was trying to think of some teams that would sort of fall into that category. But I kept coming back to Baltimore. I mean, when they're healthy, I, I still think they're probably the best team in the AFC North. They were just so brutalized by injuries this year. You know, we talk a lot about how sometimes it just comes down to the quarterback. And like you said, that offense is so diverse. That offense is just different. It's it's in many ways, like you said, built to beat those too high, soft, not soft, but, you know, light box defenses, nickel and dime packages and things like that. So I think it's Baltimore. Yeah. So here's a, here's a thought. Um, would Juju Smith-Schuster be a good fit there? And if he would um, – or if he, in addition to Baltimore, um, who else would be a good fit for him? I think Baltimore would be a very good fit. Um, you know, selfishly, I, I look at New England. Um, I, I think with some of the stuff that he can do off the line of scrimmage, some of the ways he can win sort of early in the down, that fits well with what they want to do conceptually. That fits well with Mac Jones. So I think New England would be a good fit. Thinking about some other offenses around the league, I'd be intrigued by Carolina in a sense. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of needs. Uh, I think Carolina obviously has to figure out the quarterback spot, but he would be a decent fit there as well. But I like New England, honestly, for Juju. Yeah, I see that. I absolutely see that. And I think he'd be great in Baltimore, obviously, because of what he does in the middle of the field. It'll allow you to play, um, you know, Bateman outside a little bit more. But I'd I'd kind of hate the fact that you'd put Bateman outside because then that that's kind of a wasteland for Lamar Jackson, right? You know, you don't get the most out of Bateman. So, really, a team that you hadn't mentioned that I like is Atlanta, um, yeah. because you get Pitts, you can keep him outside. If Ridley comes back, you get him outside, and you know while you know they've got they've got a guy like. Um, Patterson, who if they you know continue to use him the way they have, he can be over the middle too. But you, the fact that you can stretch the field a little bit more with either Patterson or Juju Smith-Schuster, and Schuster's a movable piece that way, where you can use him outside because you have enough speed with two other players, he could be that nice possession threat for Atlanta as a third receiver and really help Matt Ryan a ton because yeah. now you're loaded at receiver when you have him, you know, as that an upgrade to what Muhammad Sanu brought. He'd be, you know, he'd be kind of like an A 
he'd be kind of like a slower Roddy White for you in that right. sense. So, yeah, I would love him there. Um, so, which team would you trade a day two pick for Garoppolo? Or which team should? Should it be Houston or Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Carolina, the Giants, Seattle, if they get rid of Russell Wilson? Or should, is it somebody else? I mean, the Seattle one's interesting if they do decide to get rid of Russell Wilson because, again, you know, you look at this quarterback class, is there somebody that you're going to draft that's ready to start week one? I'm not sure that there is. And if you sort of look at what Seattle has in terms of draft picks, you know, they've got some needs. Now, they'll probably get a ton back um, if they do trade Russell Wilson, uh, but they don't pick until 41. Would you then deal 41 for Garoppolo? Eh, I don't know about that. Pittsburgh makes the most sense to me. Um, you know, Tom then basically said prior to the end of the season, you know, he intimated that he didn't want to start a rookie quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean they won't draft one, but it might mean that they don't start one this year. And Tomlin's more of the mind that you got to sit and develop somebody, let them sit for a year. And if he's enamored with Malik Willis, as people seem to think, that would be a situation where you trade a second from Garoppolo and you draft a quarterback you use Garoppolo as sort of that bridge to Willis and sort of take that second that you've traded and look at that as a down payment on Malik Willis. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't see another more logical situation than Pittsburgh taking Garoppolo, um, which I would rather enjoy as a Cleveland fan a little bit for some of the reasons that I'm I not. mean, I'm just thinking of our, our boy Sigmund having to deal with Garoppolo for a year. Yeah, that would be fun too, him and Cecil having a little bit of a angst over that. But uh, but I think that he can keep them competitive for sure. As long as that line holds up, there's a lot of weapons there. that, And with that short passing game that they like, want to use, right. Garoppolo's very could be very effective there. So... You know, as much as I'd kind of jokingly say I'd want him there, I, I, I know that it will backfire because I think he's good enough for them to contend. Um, you know, and and the NFC, the AFC North is going to be so much fun next year if they get Garoppolo with Lamar yeah. Jackson back, you know, with all, because though that might be the best division in the league. If, you know, if we look at it at the, you know, if, if Cincinnati doesn't have a letdown, um, from what we saw this year, so yeah, I right. like that one. So um, let's end it. Let's end it on this note. Um, who's a college player who's draft eligible but decide to return to school that you like, regardless of whether they're slated to be an early guy or a guy who's even going to be an undrafted free agent? Just someone who's caught your caught your eye. It can be more than one player too, if you want. Yeah, I mean, Jake Hayner. The Fresno State quarterback. Um, I was very intrigued watching him this year. Um, really watched, I think, four or five games of his and was very impressed with him from a competitive toughness standpoint. Um, you know, obviously the game against UCLA where he was injured, could barely like stand up, couldn't breathe. But, you know, they beat the Bruins. Um, thought he's, you know, a very tough player in and around the pocket was very excited to see, you know, does he come out? What? How would he compete down at the Senior Bowl? Now he's going back to school. Um, so I'm very excited to see where he ends up. Because I know you can already feel it. I know you can feel it. We're hearing the whispers. Next year's draft class is going to be better, right? 
next year's draft class is going to be so much better the quarterback position. You're going to get – maybe we get an improved Spencer Rattler. We're going to get Hartman, the kid from Wake Forest. You know, we're going to get, you know, Bryce Young. We're going to get C.J. Stroud. Like, it's going to be a much better quarterback class. And I always caution people, quarterback classes look great a year ahead of schedule. You never know what you're going to get. Um, but Hayner joining that group, Phil Jakovic as well, maybe it is going to be a decent quarterback class. So I think the guy that I'm really most intrigued about right now, now, of course, look, I'm not really going to be branching out into non-quarterback stuff until after this draft. So I was going to start with a QB anyway, but it's Hayner for me. I I like, I like, I, I can't pronounce his first name. I think it's Anais Smith um, out of Texas A&M. Yeah. A wide receiver, former running back. He reminds me of Derek Mason a little bit in terms of his skill set. Um, you know, still developing as a route runner, but very good hands, great contact balance, skilled runner, smart runner, you know, open field as well as you can still use him a little bit um, between the tackles on occasion. Um, but I really like how he how he's developing as a wide receiver. Xavier Hutchinson out of it, uh, Iowa State. Very good short area quickness. Really like that short area quickness with his game. He has a lot of different releases that work well for him. And he really extends well for the football. Like, I don't know if he has top, top, top end speed that you want from like a top primary guy. But right. he's someone that certainly can make plays in the deep game. And he he plays very well outside his frame. Um, so those are two guys. And then a guy you and I watched together um, as kind of a periphery guy. And I remember you saying, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to need to look at some of these receivers while we were watching Trey Lance. And I know that Christian Watson is getting a lot of love, but I like me some Phoenix Sproles. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I watched some Phoenix Sproles this week thinking that he had come out. And then I double checked and was like, oh, yeah, he's staying in this year. But I watched enough Phoenix Sproles. He adjusts well to the ball. He yeah. has a very skilled way of working around. Um, you know, he's patient. He's a patient runner. You know, the Sproles name fits him well. I'll just put it that way. Did he have like an insane over-the-shoulder catch? Yes. On a vertical route. I remember that. We were both going nuts over it. Yeah. Yeah. He's... He's a good player. I don't know if he's a it's going to be interesting to see how fast he is and how you know how good he might be as an athlete, which will right. dictate whether he's an NFL guy. But I already alerted a CFL guy that we know and love uh, yeah. saying, "Oh, and then I went, "Oops, he's 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 he plays next year." But I said if he doesn't get a uh, if he doesn't get drafted and he still wants to play ball, the CFL might be a route for him. But I think he, I think he might be better than that, you know. So, yeah. but Phoenix Sproles is certainly a guy at North Dakota State that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. So yeah, those are three guys for me. Um, you know, as always, it's always great to be able to have Mark Schofield on, and we can, you know, chop it up and talk about a variety of, of topics. You know, you can find Mark at Mark Schofield. On Twitter, you can find him at, um, you know, TD Wire. You can find him at Blogging the Boys. You can find him on the, the Bleeding Green Network. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, all the Pat's Pulpit, you know, still, you know, so 
Mark is just Mark. Mark pretty much covers the league, so I try to. You I know, try. yeah, he, he does a pretty good job of that, I'd say. So, you know, on behalf of Mark, thanks again for listening. You can find us, you know, at your favorite podcast outlet. Please follow us. Give us any feedback that you'd like. We look forward to hearing from you. See you again next week.